The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Everybody, nice to have you along for episode 15 of The Boys of Tech. Hosting the show, I'm Edwin Herman and Brett King. Welcome. Howdy. Brett, you've just uh, caught a movie, I understand. What was the movie? The Boat That Rocked. Oh, look, yeah, that's uh, apparently some good reviews on that. Oh, it was hilarious. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Very good movie. Well worth it then. Well worth it. Got good music, good classic rock. Oh, Joyce, I'm up for that. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'll have to go and catch that movie. I'll let you know when I do, and I'll I'll tell you what I thought. Yep. Into our story for the news for this week, Google is uh, going to launch a dig-like feature. Uh, so that's where you know pe- the community can rate stories and comment on them. Well, actually, no, whether comment- they like it or not. Yeah. Well, actually, commenting is one thing that they won't be able to do, but they'll no. be able to rate them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, if if Google's doing this, does that mean that Dig's dead? No, definitely not. You don't reckon? You don't no. reckon that's going to be it? No, no, no. <laughs> but Google's huge. They can Google kill anything. Well, yeah, but as you said, this new feature, what's popular for Google, is um, it only gives you the ability to um, either approve of the link or, you know, disapprove of it it doesn't give you a chance to comment on it doesn't give you any of those sorts of features which is what dig and you know it's it's popular rivals offer so it's not quite a dig killer yeah well, dig I'll, has not dug its grave so to speak <laughs> <laughs> nice pun there did you do you think that though the like features that aren't going to be in google's uh, product called what's popular do you think those are really needed like do people care about comments or is just the other ratings people care it? about comments yeah yeah i guess that's why uh, youtube is so one of the reasons why youtube is so successful really isn't it you kind of read the comments indeed you get to read the comments yeah, I must admit, I must admit, I'm a sucker for scrolling down. The only thing I don't like about that is my my flash movie disappears off the top of the screen. What they really need is a kind of an independent scroll thing on YouTube, so we can read the comments without scrolling off the top. Indeed, indeed, that is That'd a good cool. idea. Maybe yeah, we well, should to submit that. Well, I, submit I that as a feature idea to you to yeah. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I already but they have to do it in a good way because you know. Most um, you don't want any frames or anything like that because well, frames are crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no frames. Uh, frames are not nice, but I'm sure they can do it with, I don't know, Ajaxy type thing. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's 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 a way of doing. It. I agree that the frames is such are not very nice at all. Hey, you know, I already uh, submitted a uh, suggestion to Twitter. In Twitter, the the question uh, is, you know, uh, what what are you doing? And you put your kind of status update in the field below. Well, it's not really relevant anymore. What are you doing? People don't say, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It's actually really more appropriate, I think, to have what's on your mind. And that's what I, uh, I suggested to them. But they haven't implemented it yet. 
Ah, well, we'll we'll wait and see that one, shall we? Well, I thought see what Twitter comes up with. I thought I'd mention that here on the podcast because if they ever do do that, then you know, can go down the record books. Then you've got proof. Exactly, it's your idea. (laughs) What you're going to take them to court and sue them for IP infringement? (laughs) Well, given that I suggested that they do it, probably not. But (laughs) so look, anyway, Google's going to do this dig-like type thing. You know, I did kind of wonder also whether. They're slowly but surely heading towards the community-ranked search engine. Remember there was one we talked Mm. about a couple of episodes ago that disappeared, kind of nothing happened of it, and they've kind of abandoned the idea. I wonder Uh, if that's kind of – I mean, it's not there yet, but I wonder if that's kind of – I don't know. Morph into that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it might – it will work alongside their their search engine, but – and maybe it will influence ranks, but it would be, yeah, it would be a very silly idea for Google to switch to having community ranked searches be more prominent than than regular searches. Yeah, I don't know. They've I, got a good yeah. engine. They've yeah, put they a do. lot of money they, into yeah, well, it, that's true. And, <laughs> yep. and they should stick with it. I like unbiased things. Thank you very much. If I'm doing a search, yeah, pay, pay drink. <laughs> having oh. the ability to flick to the what's popular and see what's you know what people are looking at today is a, is a nice feature but it's not going to take away from the fact that when i put in a you know something to search for i want an unbiased search of what it is yeah i just wondered whether they might slowly you know let you vote on you know, or rank, if you like, the, the suitability of the results and slowly i don't know maybe not you really start getting into the area of bringing in another way for people to, you know, create Google bombs to to inflate their search rankings or to deflate the search rankings of other people by giving a, a ability to vote on, you know, approval or disapproval in search rankings. As a separate add-on, what's popular? Yeah, sure, because that's 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 its entire point is about what is popular. Right. What are the people looking at? Like Whereas when you want your search driven? stuff, you don't want you don't want somebody else's, you know, whether or not somebody else liked that site to determine whether or not you get to see it in the search rankings. Yeah, you may you may well be right actually. I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll have to see see you know, have a just wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Google are constantly surprising us. Yeah, well, that's true. Google come out with some cool stuff, though. They, they really do. They do, indeed. So this might just be another one of those cool little gadgets. Mm-hmm. Another piece of news here. Yahoo's pulled the plug on GeoCities. Remember GeoCities.com? Yep, yep. <laughs> I remember GeoCities. It used to be when whatever you wanted to know, there was usually a website hosted on GeoCities that would tell you what it was. That's right. <laughs> and if you wanted to host your own website, it was GeoCities. Indeed, but then it went through its dark times, and I think that's what spelled the end of GeoCities. They, <laughs> their intricate and highly annoying and in-your-face JavaScript ads. <laughs> but, you know, I never really, to be, to be quite honest with you, I never really knew that GeoCities was still running. Like, yeah, yeah. It disappeared off my radar cities. anyway. Yeah, it was only, you know, in fact, earlier this year when I was doing a search uh, at Google, obviously as you do do. and I can't remember what I was searching for but it was relatively obscure and in the top 10 (laughs) in the top 10 um, returned results was a GeoCities account (laughs) GeoCities site 
Gosh, it that, was that, that, when I think of GeoCities, I, I think of the sort of late 90s, you know. Indeed, indeed, so do I. But then I was searching for something really old. <laughs> do you think uh, search engines rank other search engines' results, uh, well, you know, pages that relate to companies affiliated with other search engines, any lower? Do you think there's a bit of, like, you know, GeoCities is owned by Yahoo. Sure. Do you think Google ranks, ranks them lower because they, they're Yahoo? Well, in my search, GeoCities came up in the top 10. Yeah, but they never otherwise come up on any other search, do they? But then there's maybe nothing. But then like there's there. not a lot of use. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, as you know, GeoCities doesn't get a lot of use anymore, or at least, you know, not live use. I'm sure it's got millions of accounts, but it's... When was the last time they were updated? <laughs> hey, I, I've remembered what I searched for. I was searching for drivers for a really old Toshiba laptop. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the GeoCities page, which had information about these drivers, the driver settings, it hadn't been updated since the 90s. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so it was really just going, and it was just in a state of limbo, really. It was yeah, just yeah. Kind of plodding along. I, yeah. It, but anyway, it's gone now. It's official. It's gone. Finished. End of story. Uh, well, they're, they're keeping it live, but you can't oh, create accounts and they're telling everybody they've sent out, you know, well, you know, to as much as they can attempt to contact the owners of the different accounts on GeoCities to let them know that we are turning it off. You, If you want to keep your web service, you might want to either upgrade yeah. to one of our Yahoo plans or go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it definitely the end. Okay, so the plug hasn't been pulled right away, but it is no, going no. to be. All right. No, as a side story, I was reading on Slashdot that a group of people are attempting to, while GeoCities still exists, you know, archive GeoCities. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Is it, is it the Internet Archive people or some other crowd? No, no, it's, it's some other people. That, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that they would live forever. Like, like Usenet and other things mm. <laughs> that have really disappeared. Oh, well, okay, Usenet's still around, but not the way yeah, it was. They're not, yeah, it's not, not as, as well used, but the, the adherence to Usenet would, mm. you know, jump up and down vehemently with their pitchforks if you tried to claim that it was dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> they good. still use it, so <laughs> it still exists. It's Google have done a good job. Just don't use it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Google have done a good job of, of archiving the, the older stuff on that, actually. The other thing <laughs> Google is, is doing is, uh, in their efforts to be a little greener, uh, they're, they're uh, using goats now to trim their lawns. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a service offered by the local company and that they've got goats around. They don't actually use them on the inner lawns, they're just on the outer lawns where, yeah, uh, yeah so there's no chance of goats accidentally wandering into the buildings or anything like that. <laughs> but yeah, they're using goats. It's, it's supposed to be quite great. But apparently the goats get transported there then they eat all the grass and they get transported to the next uh, client of the goat mm -hmm. company. You kind of got to wonder how, <laughs> what the, you know, carbon footprint is to actually truck these goats around the country. Maybe they have a hybrid truck. Well, yeah, well, maybe, <laughs> or possibly a fully electric. I don't know if that actually exists in, in the realm of trucks, but yeah, there you go. That's that's Google's latest green efforts. Yeah, well, you know, good on them. <laughs> yeah, why not, eh? Good on them. <laughs> it's worth a story, at least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Uh, you know, we reported on a uh, uh, an iPhone app, Baby Shaker, that was pulled, I think, recently from the, uh, Apple, the App Store. Yeah, Apple's App Store. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's another one that's um, causing a bit of a stir, and that's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one called yes. Pocket God that Pocket God depicts a primitive island nation that. According to them, is completely anonymous. But anyone who knows anything about islands can easily tell that this is very much, de- or, or they say, very much depicts a Pacific island. And the people- well, indeed, whenever you think of a deserted island, where do you think of this deserted island? Well, that's usually true. it's in the Pacific. <laughs> it's it's yeah, a Pacific island. Yeah, but there's more, <laughs> of course, there's other things as well. There's the grass skirts and stuff that these. The grass have. skirts, the um, the um, what is it? The Easter Island, those things. Yeah, yeah um, those Easter Island. Yes, things. yeah, the Easter <laughs> Island um faces. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, but that's not what's getting people up in arms. It's the the fact that the game Pocket God is all about killing the islanders and torturing them. Yeah, killing and torturing yeah. the islanders. Yeah, that's the that's the bit they. That's the bit oh, that people about. are getting up in arms about, and that's why they—that's <laughs> why it's being called racist against the Pacific Island community. <laughs> it hasn't been pulled yet, though, has it? Hasn't been pulled yet, so it'll be interesting to see if it does survive. Mm, because we but know that is, Baby yeah. Shaker didn't. Well, yeah, Baby Shaker definitely. Now this one's a little bit more sort of. This one's even greyer. Yeah, that one, yeah, it is. You know, Baby Shaker was pr- pretty black and white. Oh yeah, that was over the line, really. <laughs> yeah. This one's kind Whereas of towing this one, the line. This, got a, this one's got a yeah, <laughs> a little more of a toe. But we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, some of the comments though, that, just to put this put different perspectives out there. Some of the comments from people who have been offended by this have said well you know if this application was about torturing jews or african slaves there'd be a huge uproar Mm -hmm. um and i guess that's kind of fair a fair comment that's probably quite true so you could look at it that way and say well you know we should but then it's yeah yeah it's it's it gets a yeah it's in that gray area still because it's it depicts not you know a random island somewhere of people which really don't bear an actual resemblance to any you know living well, island. Well, do you, well, I don't know. Do you think so? I mean, look, can't you just say, well, okay, Pacific Islands? Well, Jews. I mean, Jews aren't from any particular country necessarily. I mean, you, precisely. Because so could you not? Well, you never well? know. These Pacific Islanders depicted in Pocket God might be Jewish. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it is one of those sort of uh, on-the-edge ones, so I don't know. Well, you get really yeah, – it, it starts to get into bizarre areas because you, you would think that it would fall into the same sort of game category as um, the game Black and White, for instance. The game Black and oh, White yeah. is, is, is a, a, a god game where you play a god and you have your island of little people <laughs> and there are different colored little people and from different ethnic-inspired places and times. There's your little Greek people, your little Egyptian people, your little Pacific Island people, <laughs> your, your little, did I say Greek already? Probably. Your little caveman kind of people. So, and you can be nice to them or you can kill them with lightning or throw them in the water to let them drown. It's, it's kind yeah, of a lot different, this, is it? Yeah, how does this game, if other than being, you know, boiling black and white down to just killing the islanders, it's very similar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, to one aspect, you know, in a, in a 
you know, conceptual style, not in any other style similar to black and white. But yeah, it's 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 a god game, which is really what this this uh, island one is the pocket mm. god one. That that's really yeah, it's kind of the same. Well, thing. that's the yeah yeah, it's the point of that particular game. Well, uh, may well be pulled. Who knows? But not not yet anyway. So uh, Apple Apple have refused to comment. They're, they're not saying anything. So well, that's kind of standard for Apple though. Really, <laughs> they don't mm. never really say say a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Until they and, ta- actual take to actually take action. Mm, it is. Uh, you you start to wonder for some of these. Uh, you know, some things like the the baby shaker one that we talked about before. That it it's you know it it's pretty twisted sort of game. You'd have to be pretty twisted to want to play it as a game, other than having heard the hype around how graph. You know yeah. how shocking it is and playing it because you've heard of it that way but in and of itself it's you know pretty twisted but you got to start wondering you know how far down the pc highway are we getting and by pc i mean politically correct highway are we getting that everything has to be completely sanitized to prevent the population from having (laughs) any sort of (laughs) independent thought whatsoever and yeah. Because <laughs> we're always going to find something that we're offended by. We're always going to find something that we're offended by. So and where do you draw the our line? Our next door neighbor is always going to find something that they're offended by. And what offends them may not offend us. And who's to say that because it offends them, but it doesn't offend me, I shouldn't be able to see it or because it offends me, I should be able to stop other people who it doesn't offend or, you know, concern at all from being able to view or participate. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of, you don't want to be um, too sensitive to these things. That's really what you're saying, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. To a point, to a point. To a point. You've, you've got to be able to take a step back and look at something and go, is that really, really, really intending to be racist or intending to be, you know, a derogatory of a derogatory nature, mm. or am I reading into something which is actually just a game about being God and killing people and should really be a, a you know an R sixteen or R eighteen game instead of a it must be banned because it's racist. You got to take a step back and see what what are you blaming this for from what sort of side, and is it something that should be gotten rid of because of it, or is it something that should have a, you know, a, a rating on it and a disclaimer of contains violence. I can see this being a huge problem for Apple as more and more apps are developed and released. Uh, there's going to be more. They and need more to have a rating thing, especially yeah. when it's can anybody can create anything and put it on the app store. Yeah, there's true. got to be some sort of rating system on there to prevent. Yeah, as we were talking about before, you know, your your ten year old child who's been given an iPhone because you, for some bizarre reason, are incredibly wealthy and like to give your children flash toys, um, decides to download <laughs> a brilliant thing which tells them you know allows them to kill people it's <laughs> there's got to be some really, way of being able to put a rating on those it's going to be really hard though for apple to decide which ones get pulled if it has to get to that level like okay you can have these ratings okay um it's one thing to decide those ratings but if there are ones that really overstep the mark who decides that and 
how is that decided? It's going to be a huge problem because it's Apple ultimately who would or can pull these things. Mm-hmm. So well, does, theoretically, does they to, should be applying the, the same thing that applies to any sort of censorship within the, the within the place of distribution. But because they are multinational, then you get into the whole points of who determines censorship on a global level oh, when yeah. each independent country <laughs> has their own different standards. Yes, and what is banned <laughs> in Australia may not necessarily be banned in New Zealand, <laughs> for instance. Yeah, that's where the com- this conversation gets far too difficult. That's where all of this gets far too difficult. <laughs> and whoever decides to step in and put their toe in that sort of thing, good luck to them. <laughs> it is a minefield oh, yes. of... You know, inability to deal with it. And so you, Apple will just have to come up with some sort of stand which takes whatever point of view they want to take. All righty. So steering this conversation on to our next story then before we go down the track of censorship across you know, multiple <laughs> coming up, nations. Coming up with the boys of tech, uh, the boys of tech guidelines for censorship in the <laughs> <Yeah>. global community. <laughs> yeah. So steering the conversation away from that, how would you like to go for a holiday, use your wireless data card through your mobile provider, download a movie, only to find that that cost you $62,000. (laughs) That person obviously did not see what their data charges were for roaming. (laughs) That's what happened. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Oh, yeah. Poor, poor guy. That's that's something you don't want to come home to. But you know, there there are lots of stories like this. This is just one of them and probably, okay, the worst one. But there are lots of stories like this. Mm-hmm. There have been stories here, right here in New Zealand, and I remember several of these stories showing up on Fairgo TV show here. You know, and that's just what we see here. There's heaps of these things happening because people don't realise, they don't read just how much the data charges are. You know, mm. you can be paying up to ten dollars a megabyte for for you know mobile roaming data. Yeah, yeah, stuff over the three G network and whatever. Yeah, you really have to. <laughs> look at what those data charges are before you go out and go on holiday to a different country and you know decide to download a movie you know, <laughs> over <I'm>, your wireless <laughs> network <laughs> over your yeah cellular plan that's just silly i mean we this is when we went to europe we did exactly that we had a you know a gsm sim card and we used internet that way but we knew i knew how much it was costing me in fact it was cost, costing me 30 dollars a megabyte this is in 2005 Ouch. 30, yeah 30 dollars a megabyte but I was just using a VT100 terminal to, you know, mm. log into my Unix account and check mail on a, in a text-based, uh, you know, mail program. So that it really didn't cost a lot. But I knew that. You got to wonder though, there's, how many people out there just don't know that? And I'm kind of in two minds when I see these stories. I mean, I think, okay, well, that was dumb of you not to have read that. I mean, it's like picking up the phone, yakking to someone, you know, in another country for a while and hanging up yep. and, and, and complaining that they billed you for, say, you know, $20,000 or something. Well, okay, you really you should have looked yeah, beforehand. Looked. Yeah, it's not like any of this, it's not like any of these prices, these fees are hidden. No, they are no. plainly available to the customers. They are plainly displayed on the websites of those carriers, you know, that you know, global roaming data package are going to cost this much <laughs> unless you switch on international roaming and then it might only cost you this much. Yeah. But if you don't, <laughs> yeah, no, they're not hidden. it's You're all right. that information is there. It is yeah. just you haven't bothered to look. You haven't considered it. 
and it really is starting to be your own fault there. But then it does – you do have to think then of really – did it really cost his cell carrier $62,000? Yeah. To provide that well, data. Well, well, we know it didn't. Him. We know it didn't because yeah, we we, they did. did drop the 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 um the bill to seventeen thousand. Oh yeah, but even seventeen thousand is still yeah. an incredibly large amount of money. And did it really cost them seventeen thousand dollars to provide what maybe six hundred, seven hundred megabytes? Well, they say that the uh, roaming charges are are really large, so that as a carrier, they get billed huge amounts. Simply for the you know because of the roaming agreements, how much of that is true? We'll we'll never really never know. Mm. But it does make you wonder. So yeah, I, that, that's the, those are the two sides. You, you kind of think, well, it was your own fault to start with. But on the other hand, you kind of got to look at these carriers and think, well, you know, is that really a fair price? And is it you know is is that something? Is that not extortion? <laughs> you know, it's indeed. That, and if they themselves, they re- if the carriers really are paying that much for transferring data between different networks, then why the hell is that? Is it because they're charging each other exorbitant fees because they're different networks? But then why don't they pair and exactly and, and, and yeah, drop why don't their- they why don't they drop those to, you know, what it actually costs instead of charging, you know, well you know, you're yeah. you're not us, so we're gonna add on another twenty thousand dollar fee for connecting yeah, exactly. to our network and providing your customer through our network. That's yeah. <laughs> That's just mean. <laughs> but then not everybody is nice on the <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in the global internet and yeah. in global world. Well, speaking especially of- companies towards <laughs> towards their own competitors. Well, speaking of the internet as a global thing, it does raise the question: Who actually controls the internet? Who owns it? People have tried to answer this question, and I guess it really comes down to mostly the US, really. Yeah, <laughs> mostly the U.S. and the U.S. government, as well, actually, to be more specific. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's well, they did make it, so you know, I guess that's yeah. If they made it and it grew out of there, it grew out of America. So the source is America, and so the major control will be America. Yeah, but the reason, and for just uh, to fill in our listeners, the reason we say that it's effectively controlled by the U.S. is because. It's actually ICANN, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers that controls all the root-level domains and IP assignments and so on, which effectively, Mm -hmm. if you like, are the core, are the guts of the Internet um, in simple terms. And uh, that's an organization based in, uh, in California, in the U.S. They report to the U.S. Government Department of Commerce. Mm-hmm, you know, indeed they do. China, Russia, and Europe have all expressed concern at the situation, and you know they don't really like it. They don't like the fact that the U.S. government effectively has control over the internet. It's not actively, well, as far as we know, you know, meddling around in there. But if they wished, they could just pull the plug on on Europe, and you know, goodbye. Indeed, they could. Goodbye. Dot eu. Goodbye. Dot ch. Dot fr. Dot de. They're, they don't exist anymore. That's the. That's they Europe could gone. turn what is the the global internet into a. You know, a separated US-only internet, effectively. Yeah, they could. In fact, there are predictions that the internet is going to split into three. They predict Mm -hmm. that it's going to be split into a US-controlled one, a Chinese-controlled one, and a Russian-controlled one. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure whether Europe comes, you know, internet in Europe would become part of the 
Russian controlled one or the the US controlled one. It doesn't mm. it doesn't really say, but that's that's someone's prediction anyway. Some analysts' prediction. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really it's, sure. Whether. It's a drastic option, and the internet would be all the worse for it. Yes. <laughs> in my humble opinion the entire purpose of the internet it is is the fact that it is global and interconnected and dissolving it into three separate ones means that you know well if you happen to be in China you're not going to see anything that's on any of the other internets well which is basically what they're trying to do anyway with the great internet wall of China well, yeah. <laughs> the great firewall of China yeah well, that's, um, that's but true. yeah with you know you happen to be sitting in Russia or Europe if they go through that one then you don't get to see anything in America and the Americans don't get to see anything about the rest of the world which would probably go unnoticed by quite a lot of people in America but um, <laughs> well, let, let me put this question out there should it still be in the hands of of the Americans you know the argument being that well okay it may well have been invented I there can, but you I know can, it's no longer it's no longer yeah. what it was this is it is a global thing it's an integral part of the world's economy should it really still in today's age be in the control of the Americans no um, ICANN should not be an American non-profit organization. ICANN should be an international Inter- non-profit yeah. like organization. The world, like the World Health Organization, the UN, that kind of thing, yeah? Exactly. It right. should it should come under the purview of possibly the UN, the United Nations. Well, that's a good um, one, actually. It should As be, if they haven't got enough to do, though. <laughs> well, indeed. They, they would have to develop a new branch for it, you know. But, we can employ yeah. a lot of the bureaucrats that have currently been laid off from different governments <laughs> around the world. <laughs> Create a new department in the UN called, you know, the, the United Internet Committee or whatever. I'm sure they'd come up with a brilliant un, um, acronym. But no, it should be an international non-profit organization, which regulates online addresses and controls the internet and it should be international it should not report to the u.s government department of commerce it should report to the u.s united nations which then reports to all of the member states that is how the internet should can be controlled it is a global thing not a u.s thing but but they're not going to want to lose control are they you know when you got control of something you're not going to say oh okay you can all have your shit oh that's fine i'll relinquish control is that going to really be that easy to do no they don't they won't want to they really won't want to so it's going to be pressure but, from other countries that might force them yeah, to if anything yeah. yeah the it would be better for the internet and the global community if yeah. it was yeah. handed over to an international organization yeah that had everybody who has a big stake in the internet the united states china russia europe all having their own say in this organization instead of it being an organization which reports to the u.s government which is basically a united states organization it's it's kind of uh that would be overdue it's kind of yeah it's it's overdue but it's as you said before, it's not likely. <laughs> I mean, in the 80s and the 90s, you could probably get away with it like being like this. But now you kind of look at where we are with the internet, what it means to commerce, you know, to the economy, mm-hmm. to people. Yep. Uh, and you kind of think, well, it doesn't it, – this is kind of like, you know, a, a sort of an old-style – system of of uh, administration for it you know it's it's not it's not 2009 no it's not there's a direct analogy though that that comes to mind and that is i'm sure this this probably happened in many countries but here in new zealand uh, in particular i remember that the domain name system 
Waikato.nz was administered by Waikato University uh, in Hamilton mm-hmm. here in New Zealand. To start off with, yeah. To start Which off with. Which was interesting. And that's right. And the, <laughs> You've got to remember back in those days when the internet was just branching out, it was it was research institutes and universities oh, that right. were the first to join each other together to create right. this interconnected yeah. network. They were the first to do it. And so the control of the different names in those different countries was basically handed off to the person that whoever was creating it over in the US knew personally. That's right. That's <laughs> and right. so Take it just happened that the person that he knew the most in New Zealand worked at Waikato University. And so that's who got <laughs> given the information and the first box connected. But then remember what happened. Remember what happened. It went, uh, eventually, Waikato University decided that it you know, wasn't really its position to hold control over .NZ. So right. Domains was a privately owned company. Mm-hmm. And they had control. And so this is a, a, a private sector company effectively owning control, having control over .NZ. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, opposition to that. You know, people saying, well, you know, it shouldn't really be one company that owns it. It's kind of, it's very monopolistic. And then mm-hmm. they changed. They built this shared registry system where... Yep. All the people you know ha- who have infrastructure and ha- you know, have a vested interest in the .NZ namespace had sh- you know like a share in this shared registry service, and so it kind of mm. belongs to all of them. It kind of belongs to the New Zealand internet community. So yeah. to me, that's a direct analogy of what we're talking about. That hasn't quite happened yet, but may well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a direct analogy. It was decided that one place shouldn't control it and so it should be opened up and split out and that's exactly what should happen to the internet whether or not it will that you know so everybody's how, waiting what, for what would be okay we, we all know the best scenario would be a international organization that oversees you know the the core infra, internet infrastructure but out mm-hmm. of the remaining two scenarios and that is the internet as it is today effectively controlled by US government yeah and the other scenario of three separate internets, a Euro- of it breaking into chunks, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a Russia, yeah, well, or, yeah, ch- chunks. The the prediction is that it's going to be Russia, China, and America, but whoever. Uh, what's what's better out of those two? Which is the lesser of the two evils? The lesser of the two evils is the way that it currently is, <laughs> but everybody keeping a good eye on it. Right, so as long as they they don't really meddle and. Do th- bad as long things, as it, it's, it's yeah, not as long bad, as yeah. they're not directly meddling, and you know it can be shown that they're not directly meddling. It's the internet we're talking about. As soon as they directly meddle, we're bound to find out. Oh, about we'll it. know. We'll know. <laughs> as long as they're not directly meddling with it, this is the the lesser of the two evils. Having it split up just it seems ridiculous now. When you think about it, <laughs> when everything's going like, global, and yeah, indeed, it's like saying that you know, you having your town suddenly split into three separate chunks that you couldn't go to one of the other chunks. <laughs> you know, I visited town actually. That, that kind of reminds me of that when when we went to Europe. There is a town right on the border of Switzerland and France. It actually divides the whole town in two, and yeah, there's there's a post office on one side and say a baker on the other one's in one country one's in the other and you just walk down the road and you're switching countries <laughs> switching currencies as well you know between francs and euros it's kind of weird mm. and, there's, and there's even a, a customs checkpoint as well which is kind of weird because it's kind of one town but 
divided into two like that. It's crazy. Indeed. But now, <laughs> in this internet scenario, imagine that town, but not being able to cross that border. Yeah, see, that, that would be bad. Yeah, that yeah. would be that, – that, so – so really, we, we're hoping that if we don't get a uh, internationally controlled internet, that the, the one we currently have, which is effectively US controlled, isn't really too bad. That's a as conclusion. long as they don't meddle with it. Yeah, as long as they don't meddle with it. All right, I'm happy with that too. All right, so on to, <laughs> on to our New Zealand stories. We've got a couple there that have uh, uh, come up. There's rumours that the national government may well completely abolish the Copyright Act as we know it and rewrite it. Is that, is that mm. what we want? It could be interesting. Mm. This could be opportunity. It could be an opportunity. It could be very, very bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's it, the problem it, is the unknown. It, indeed. It's the unknown, especially for a, a government which, you know, is very much in the, the business and private sector sort of ballpark. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it could go, could go the other way. Yeah, it isn't. It, it, it could become incredible you know, even more restricted um, than it is. Maybe it could even be a bye-bye to all of those fair use um, things which are in there. But then, National's done a lot of things which are very, which have been, you know, not necessarily obviously in the best interests of the private sector. They've done a lot of very, Laborish things. Yeah, they've leaned, leaned to the left a little. Yeah, <laughs> which they is have, yeah, yeah. They, they, they've become a very moderate sort of national. Yes, they have actually. They have. Um, I've seen that. So you know, props for that. <laughs> props. But, for I've just doing had, some uh, things which are pretty good. I've just um, had a, but, a bad thought though. Mm-hmm. Based on <laughs> based on the way they handled the um, section ninety two a. You know what they might do? They might go over to the music industry and say, hey, guys, you write the Copyright Act for us and we'll sign it. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, no, that, that would be terrible. No, no that, 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 would be, that, that couldn't really a, happen, oh, could That's it? a horrible joke. That's a horrible joke to say. <laughs> that, that would be horrible. Surely, they, surely that wouldn't really happen. Surely it couldn't because wasn't that basically what happened with Section 92A that it was basically written by the, the, the music industry? Well, no, yeah. on, no, no, originally, no, originally it was – well, oh, yeah, okay. It was, it was introduced by – Tizard, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was Tizard. But, but, but who was really behind it is what but, you're saying. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who was she sleeping with? Yeah, because that, that, that was a horrible piece of legislation which was not written by anybody with any sense of how could that actually be implemented or, you know, workable in a realistic, you know, in the real world. <laughs> Yeah, in the exactly. real world, where you know, don't does, just get yeah. point the finger and say you're naughty, no more internet for you, <laughs> <laughs> and the other person gets to, doesn't doesn't get to say, but I've done nothing wrong. You can't do this to me. That was just a stupid, yeah, no, that, stupid that piece of legislation. But National has thrown that away, and that was brilliant. That yeah, yeah. that was that was one of the. Th- you know, <laughs> people were quite shocked that National did that. Yeah, I was surprised myself, to be honest. Um, yeah. But it meant that they listened to the vast majority of people who were saying that this is a stupid piece of legislation, which is unworkable. Anyone would have thought it must be election year. Yeah, yeah. Anybody would have thought there was an election year for that. But But now, completely rewriting it, if they take on board what people have been saying and what they've heard through this feedback to 92A, maybe they will create something which is worth it. 
out of um, a Copyright Act, which is, you know, needs a good overhaul. It's it's kind of too hard to call, though. I reckon this one, you know, it's it's really. We open. have to wait to see. We yeah, have to wait to see to, what yeah. the first the first draft when it comes up for comment. Oh, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of discussion. There'll be, there'll a, be lot a lot of, of discussion, especially after the Section 92A saga. You know, but as you said before, this could be the prime opportunity to get in those protections over fair use, those protections over things which are legal to do and come up with an act which protects artists' rights, protects the intellectual property of people, but for a reasonable, legitimate amount of time. <laughs> and allows format shifting as well. You know, Brit, allows even- format shifting. Uh, accessibility. People keep f- in copyright. People keep forgetting. Not everybody can see. Not everybody can hear. Not everybody can f- get access to all of these different pieces of information, these different pieces of art. The ability to format shift these different pieces of work so that people with impairments can access them is a brilliant thing. And to be able to bring, build that, really build that into the Copyright Act to make it properly inclusive and accessible to everybody is great. Well, you know, they did a survey recently of the, the best and worst Copyright Acts around the world. And I can't remember who the best w- was, but... Probably China, because I don't really have much in the way of that. I'm only joking. But the worst was Britain. You know, they don't even have... In fact, when I read it, I kind of thought, oh, that's that's here in New Zealand, but it was actually Britain. But very, very similar. They, they, don't even, they can't even format shift. It's actually illegal in Britain, like it is here, actually. So it's illegal to take a CD and dub it to tape so you can play it in your, your car that, that's perhaps a little older and only has a, a tape player. It's illegal to take a CD that you've purchased in a shop and rip that to your iPod. It's it's illegal yeah. to, you know... Yeah, yeah. So, so technically, owning an MP3 player or selling an MP3 player in New Zealand should be illegal. <laughs> well, you could be putting your own music that you wrote and produced yourself on there. Oh, yeah, but nobody yeah, right. wants that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good Tui ad, wouldn't it? <laughs> Indeed, that but would this be is my own music that I produced. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> All righty. You know, John Key has joined Twitter. New Zealand, New Zealand Prime <laughs> Minister John Key is on Twitter. Brett, why are you not on Twitter? I don't know. Obviously, I should be. <laughs> you, I suppose you could ask me why I'm not on Facebook, and I won't. I have the same answer. <laughs> oh, no, indeed. Why aren't you on Facebook? Well, yeah, I I can't answer that, but <laughs> but I, I skipped that one. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> so is John Key. So. Mm, there you go. Wow. <laughs> I wonder what he's twittering about. I haven't followed him. Indeed. And is it really John Key or is it <laughs> well, John Key's Twitter employee? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, probably is actually. There have actually been a lot of fake accounts on Twitter impersonating famous people and well-known people. Um, mm. So you kind of it's hard to know who's who really now, but... And I, I couldn't tell you his, his address, but apparently the, there is an official statement there. John Key is, you know, on Twitter. And, and actually, I saw another story just while I go off track a little bit that Twitter has one of the lowest retention ratios. People just kind of join it and leave and new people come in. Yeah. People don't really hang around. They're not sure why that is. It's interesting. Maybe mm. it, people joining for that phenomenon sort of thing and then realizing afterwards that they don't need to tell everybody that they've just got out of the car or that they've, you know, 
just gone to the bathroom, brushed their teeth, <laughs> that they've yeah. just um, finished writing a new, you know, <laughs> a new update to their blog <laughs> and, and that sort of thing. Maybe they've discovered that they don't need to let everybody know everything all of the time. I try and keep my tweets quite interesting. In fact, my, my most recent lot, if you, if you look at my Twitter account, twitter.com slash Edwin Herman, a bit of a plug there. <laughs> my latest one is uh, a sort of an update on me catching a mouse because I, I managed to catch a mouse here in, the, in, the, in this <laughs> you house. You did actually catch it. It was in the box, was it? Yes. Oh, yeah, it was. It was in the box. I'll tell you what I did. I had an upturned box, so, you know, uh, uh, like a computer monitor box upside down the mouse inside and I thought well how am I going to get it out of the box and you can't really slide something under like you do with insects in a jar because mouses all just get out so what do I do and I was thinking I could put a huge plastic bag over this box and then you know tip the box on its side inside the plastic bag and hopefully the mouse will kind of run out and into the plastic bag and I can kind of you know work its way through to one corner and then dispose of the dispose of the mouse so what I what I did I didn't have a plastic bag so big so what I did is I I did a MacGyverism I cut up some supermarket plastic bags and I made a little skirt around the box gaffer tape to the box and the carpet just the bottom of it so it doesn't reach <laughs> over the whole box you see what I mean and then what I did is I banged the box so hard and I could hear this mouse scouring around inside eventually it came out and ran round and round the skirt the plastic supermarket bag skirting and I managed to put a jar on top of it I then got my MacGyver Swiss Army knife and cut around the jar <laughs> through the plastic bag I was <laughs> so I could move this thing and have the mouse walk inside the jar and then I managed to get some cardboard through that and a lid on and, and then I had a mouse in a jar but I had to decide I had to decide very quickly how I dispose of this thing because I didn't humanely I didn't want to have it suffocate so I couldn't keep the lid on but mm-hmm. I don't want to leave the lid off either. So how do I euthanize this mouse? And eventually I decided I think the, the, the most humane way was with carbon monoxide. So my 50cc scooter came in handy. I put, I put it to sleep. Oh, that's hard. Well, they say if it's done properly, they don't really realize and they just go off. So that was the end of the mouse. <laughs> well, I guess it was possibly more comfortable than a giant piece of metal snapping onto its neck yeah which would yeah. be gross yeah so anyway that's that's my most recent twitter update and i gave little updates as i went along like i you know i said sort of mouse and box now what and the next one was ah have you know got mouse round skirting now the next the next twi- tweet was mouse in jar and so on so. <laughs> so i try to keep them interesting you know you got a mouse in a jar <laughs> Oh, I feel sorry for the poor fellow, but I didn't really know what to do with it. I had to go. Oh, indeed. Had indeed. Go. Anyway, look, I, th- I think that kind of wraps up the, the episode um, for, for the, the week just gone. And this is anything you'd like to, to raise that we haven't already covered? No, no, it's been a pretty slow week. Do you, do you want to tell us how to trap spiders or cockroaches? No, I, I was given a um, a Christmas present, which is kind of like a very small vacuum cleaner, which happens to be pink and shaped like a flower. But anyway, the purpose of this <laughs> vacuum cleaner thing yeah. is to suck up insects. Oh, okay. You suck them up in, into a container. Yeah, it uses a vacuum and it sucks them up into the tube and then you can put a put the 
cork in the tube and take them outside and then shake them out of it. So you can humanely (laughs) remove the offending insect from where it is annoying you and put it somewhere else. (laughs) That's kind of nice, yeah. Indeed, indeed. (laughs) Where can I get Uh, one of those? I don't know. We should start a new podcast on pest removal. The boys, the, the, the pest removal boys or something. <laughs> Indeed. How to MacGyver your way out of a, a mousy situation. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All righty, that's about it. Hey, thank you very much for joining us for episode 15 of The Boys of Tech. We'll be uh, back for episode 16 next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later.